this is the uh, first podcast of the um, second part of the software uh, basics of software engineering course and uh, we have two guests here today Kristen uh, Rautianen from Soberite and Arto Eskelinen from Reactor Innovations Kristen uh, Rautianen is a senior researcher and uh, Arto is an agile coach um, so Arto Uh, if one of our students would like to become an agile coach, what do you think would be the best uh, choice of uh, studies or uh, or um, occupation? Well, any any studies on on software development is a good good basis, and and of course, if you have an experience also as a developer, it's good. But the main thing to be, become an agile coach is, of course, getting experience on different agile methods, learn them and learn them by doing. And then, if you feel that it's an interesting thing to teach others, then then you might start coaching others. Okay. Uh, do you think um, extensive programming background is useful or necessary? Well, not not necessarily. It depends on what kind of things you are yeah, going to coach. Like... Good technical pra- background and technical practices are important if you're gonna coach like TDD and, and continuous integration and all that like technical stuff. Then it's actually a necessity. But if you think about processes and teamwork, then it goes more into the human side. And and then, uh, well, in those issues, technical pa- background. I would say that sufficient technical background is is always good to have, but Maybe it doesn't have to be so profound in in, in concentrating on those issues. <clears throat> All right. So, uh, Christian, you said in your lecture that uh, planning is important, but plans are not. Can you uh, tell about more about what you meant? Yeah. It. I mean, planning is always important in in the well. I think the term traditional way is still wrong, but in the previously dominant way. Of doing things, we concentrated on on, on plan-driven development. So, so the point was to go with the plans, and then we would develop something according to those plans. But since the plans changed, we had to construct many many obstacles so that they wouldn't change so easily. So we have changed control boards and stuff like that. And then we had those big documents of which nobody probably read much of the pages anyway, and they asked each other any, anyway about those plans. Uh, instead, now in Agile, when you do planning, you discuss what are we going to do, wh- why is it important, how are we going to do it. You 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 plan all the time. You, you don't write as much down as you did previously. So in that sense, the plans as as such are not important, but the constant planning of what are we actually doing and how does it contribute to the customer value, that's, that's important. It, it's, it has always been. So, if you're not making these plan documents, how do you communicate your plans uh, upwards to management or other stakeholders? Well, uh, like in in Scrum, you have these mechanisms, actually, product different backlogs, like product backlogs, and then places where you show your progress. You're actually communicating much better where you are. What are you doing? What are those things? And the upper-level managers are not so much concerned how is it actually done. They just want it done and working and working well. Another comment I'd make on, on the 
plan, planning driven uh, or plan driven uh, development is that the success factors there are like how well did you do with the plan as in agile it's more like what is it that gives you the best return on investment what is it that gives, makes the best product and understanding that may change during the project you may get feedback your understanding of the problem you're resolving is getting better and in agile you can adapt to that change in in a way the trade off between plan driven and agile is that in plan driven you you kind of try to optimize resource usage on experts so that they could communicate everything beforehand as f- in, in the form of plans while in agile you kind of don't try to sub optimize this expertise but you try via conversation and tacit knowledge communicate the same thing so you you sit in the same room you discuss with each other what should be done and you should have kind of the customer present or expert user present at all the time which is the cost you should then pay for not documenting things so there is this there is always a trade off and a cost which you should weigh and the problem with those documents as as Tom Gilb has shown that they contain tens of faults defect those documents on each page so so how do you actually communicate rich information by a two dimensional or one dimensional document that, that is the problem you always have to do the planning and the communicating and and that is something you forgot in the traditional plan driven way you, you thought that the document is perfect because it's reviewed and it's it's approved and and it's sealed but, and, but there's um, always also this um Uh, research done that uh, catching uh, faults in the um, planning documents is uh, at least ten times more efficient than in the next step. So if you remove the planning documents, doesn't it make correcting the mistakes later much more expensive? Well, while you, while you've been doing your plans, you may have already done like several iterations having actually much more, actually a proof of concept, actually a better understanding what works, what does not work. I I would argue that by doing, you will find the problems even earlier. And with, with lesser cost, because you are not spending a time on intermediate artifacts. Yeah, and, and your, the proposition you said actually is based on the fact that the cost curve is exponential, what, what, what people in Agile and doing Agile claim is that it gets flatter, so actually the cost of change in later phases isn't that high anymore if you do it like this. The problem, of course, is always the architecture. You need very good people so that the actual emerging architecture is good enough to, say, support a 10-year life cycle of a, of a product. Yeah, you both talked about discipline. Uh, why is discipline so important or Uh, is it more important in agile methods than in like more traditional water, waterfall-like or even in iterative and incremental, but not agile? I would say that definitely yes. It's 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 much more important, and because the capability of delivering on a regular basis working software, it means that some basic things have to be in in condition. And from the resources point of view, what is interesting is that 
as a traditional uh, way of doing this, the number of resources important at child actually puts lots of emphasis on quality. As you know, the basic unit of work is a team, and when the team gets too big, it sort of uh, loses its productivity. And so sort of the best way of, of doing in a child is actually taking the best guys and paying them as much as for the big army of not so good guys and 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 uh, yes so I, I i totally agree with the dis- discipline okay christian uh, and regarding <coughs> of course the, the the discipline of the technical quality which which is required if you're kind of doing something shippable or at least showable on a beta level you you have to you really have to do those <coughs> unit tests and automated tests. You can't just slack there. I mean, it's, there's always the temptation, hey, give me more features from the business side. Why, why are we doing so many tests while well, we could do feature code instead? But uh, the problem with software is that it, it would degrade very fast and, and you would end up with a maintenance load which, which would kind of overwhelm you and take all the best guys' attentions away from actually producing any new features in the future. So so there, there's lots of discipline needed to actually do the th- stuff that you actually agree on doing. And uh, looking at the results from retrospective meetings, the testing always comes up. And let's do this differently this time. Let's try these tests, let's try these techniques, let's try that tool, and so on. So it's actually it actually shows how much discipline is needed, even if you don't uh, kind of see it in the beginning when you start doing it. All right. Um, you talk about, uh, Arto, that um, the discipline in the team uh, decreased after one year or around that. Uh, no, actually, I meant that uh, uh, the rest of the organization, so they were sort of a following, they understood the rules in the beginning better. But like once this way of working, was established uh, uh, their discipline, their sort of a manners of behaving. How do how do they deal with this thing? Was sort of a decreasing. I, I did not mean that the, the discipline inside the team was was uh, decreasing. Okay, okay. That's that's interesting because what I have noticed in twenty or so companies is that usually to get the discipline from the outsiders outside of the team that that is hard to get in the beginning so so how did you actually accomplish that already in the beginning so that they would actually follow your rules of, of communicating with you well uh, it's called selling <laughs> selling and teaching and and like 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 I said uh, in in the beginning and it was sort of a understood and everybody was enthusiastic with this with this experimentation but uh, but but later on, uh, perhaps when the Scrum Master changed or something like that, uh, they sort of uh, perhaps thought that they could, they did not need to be so strict anymore. And this actually brings back another kind of viewpoint to discipline. It's usually very difficult. I mean, the proposition in Agile is, hey, we can change all the time if you look at what business people might think of it, which they usually do in the beginning. We have seen that for six months business people try to push to the last day of the iteration new stuff into the iteration. So discipline 
in freezing the requirements, freezing the resources, that's that's actually very difficult from a discipline point of view to accomplish. A real life comment that I I've actually heard is is exactly that. What? You are not taking this feature. It doesn't sound a child to me. After you talk about uh, the estimation uh, in your um, transformation, how did you make the estimates estimates in the beginning of the project when when you had nothing in agile context to compare, no past velocity? Uh, the first velocities were just guesses, and then you. We were using like uh, some sort of a understanding of how many we are, how many days there are to work, and then we're applying some sort of efficiency factor to see that about this size. So we may guesstimate based on that. How long did it take for you to learn to estimate and, and actually get to the point where the history data actually meant something that, wow, we are doing doing this velocity now we can take that much was was it like, like three months six months well like three months but you know the precision then that how how exactly did it match uh, sometimes it matched sometimes it did not match yeah. but like uh, we started to see have an understanding how how much the how much we could do How uh, good you get? Uh, good did you get at estimating? Uh, well, if later? you think if you think about it uh, uh, from the point of view that how many of the features were done in the end of the uh, end of the iteration, there was like ninety ninety five percent of the features were done. So pretty pretty nice counting on that there was dependencies to others' work, so sometimes there were work that could not be finished because something was missing. So, actually, quite nice. Okay. Um, uh, I'll return a bit to the topic of uh, the team members. So, uh, as I understand, you, you need to have good team members if you have really... Uh, want to succeed in agile development? Well, you would prefer, a, yes, have them. But you know, <coughs> in 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 organizations that are doing their work at, at this moment and they that want to go to agile, you know, it's the same as it is with the legacy code. You have the people that there are. You are trying to make the best match out of those people that there are so so you cannot dream of a reactor team everywhere <laughs> but reactor and, green and, and and anyway <coughs> the good thing is that even though with the people that you have you may not make the best possible but you are making significantly better than you do with the other methods so i guess it's useful in in that sense anyway Yeah. Do you think it's uh, more important to have good people in agile development than in traditional yes. sense? Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, and and like I, I said there on the lecture, there's also this maturity issue. So as a, as a person, you 
have to be able to sometimes uh, deal with uh, things that you might feel not so comfortable somebody's like uh, not happy with your code and you just have to be learn to live with that and uh, learn to well be humble and, and learn more take it as an opportunity to learn more as more as a, as a criticism for you personally yeah um you talked about uh, the shared responsibility <coughs> or, the, or the shared uh, code ownership. Uh, why do you think um, then normally they're saying that uh, shared responsibility is no responsibility? Why why doesn't it uh, appear so in agile methods? Well, if you think about collective. Uh, ownership and collective responsibility uh, and and a team trusting each other uh, I don't know uh, is it because the team team is good or well <clears throat> is it accountability of the whole team well it, it it's sort of a when once it has taken the responsibility there is There is more to it than the personal responsibility. It's that do I want me myself and and with my teammates? Do we want to feel proud of our work or not? So it actually goes to the proud of craftsmanship. I'm, am, I, am I a proud professional? Would I be happy to show our work, my work, to perhaps other teams, or do I think that this is a lousy team? So actually, building that. That pride, this uh, satisfaction of, of your work, it's perhaps the thing that makes the collective ownership in the end a better uh, responsibility. All right. Well, I think that's uh, all we have time for. So I'd like to thank you both for participating and uh, for our listeners. See you next week.